Before you hire someone, make sure you are super clear as to who that person is. Welcome to Traction Build, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with Benj Miller. And today we have a tag team of Alec Broadfoot and Alex Freitag. Alec Broadfoot is the owner of Vision Spark, which is a boutique executive search firm in Columbus, Ohio. And Alex Freitag is an EOS implementer and co founder of the EOS Conference also based out of Columbus, Ohio. So guys, welcome to Tractionville. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. So to kick things off, you guys, we, we have you both on this podcast because um, you guys really have a sort of partnership, uh, working together, collaborating together, maybe referring uh, to one another. So um, I really want to capture that story for our listeners, but I thought we'd start with Alec. If you could kind of tell us a little bit about you and your passion uh, and, and uh, what you're doing at VisionSpark. Yes, I'm, I'm passionate about helping entrepreneurial companies find and hire the right people, helping them have the right people in the right seats, the right leaders, integrators, key executives, and making sure they do that right because so much is at stake if you do it poorly. And if you do it right, there are so many benefits to uh, the right people in the right seats, as you guys know. So how long has VisionSpark, um, how long have you been in this, this space with your company? Yeah, so I tell people I've been doing it my whole life, but uh, <laughs> I, we, we formalized nine years ago. We're in, we're in our ninth year. And Alec, you, you're adamant um, just in conversation and spirit and passion when when talking that you're like, don't just put us in a box as a recruiter. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think the the biggest uh, there are several differences, but, uh, you know, with retained search firms, um, we are very much committed to making sure the person that is hired, the leader that is hired is there long term. They're there. They have their core values and. Uh, we often say that recruiters have somewhat of a push approach where they're trying to sell a candidate to a client, and they're also trying to sell the client to the candidate. And at VisionSpark, we have what we call a pull approach where um, it's about attracting the talent to that company. And we, we love what we do because we hear day in and day out, I want to work for this company. Um, this is the company that um, I, I want to land. You know, we hear this day in and day out, and it's it's these candidates responding to our strategic uh, postings, and it's a pull approach, and so naturally it has much more of a, a long term benefit. That that strikes me because it seems to me that it would super limit who you would take on as a client because there are a lot of clients that are not attractive to work for. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the reasons why we do so well in the EOS space is, is because the EOS companies who run on core values and it's, you know, their culture is so important. They hire and fire with core values, make decisions with core values. And before EOS, we were, we were very limited in, in who we would partner with. <laughs> so how did you and Alex find each other? 
Um, well, we met at a Vistage uh, meeting. We were in Vistage together for quite some time, probably back in 2013. I think it was, um, you know, six years ago, almost exactly. Um, and that's how we, we met. So Alex, what prompted you to form a relationship with Alex? The, the time, the timing was perfect for me. So early 13, uh, uh, Tom and I, Tom Bauer, when I were, were partners at a company called ownership thinking, and we were kind of struggling with, it was a great model, the employee engagement model, but it wasn't holistic. And so we kind of keeping our eyes out for an operating system. I don't know if we use the, the terminology, but it was incomplete what we were doing, but it's powerful and effective. And um, so I was introduced to EOS through a client, ownership thinking client. And, um, and so as I got into it, the couple of first tools he shared with me were people analyzer, uh, you know, just core values in general, VTO, accountability chart. And I was just blown away. I, the first book I read was Get a Grip, which was awesome. I was more of a fable guy. And uh, so we're, we're sitting in Vistage, and Alec is telling me about what he's doing with Vision Spark. Um, I started sharing a lot of what I was learning about EOS through, through what I read. And we had self-implemented EOS at Ownership Thinking. And we're kind of mucking our way through it, not completely successful. Mm-hmm. We had a crazy visionary, great visionary, awesome guy, but uh, just not disciplined about the tools. And so as Alec and I, you know, we went to these monthly Vistage meetings, we had a great chair here in Columbus uh, who would facilitate us. It became uh, clearer that there was a nice um, alignment with what Alec was doing, the way he thinks uh, and his philosophy around people and attracting in that poll uh and and the the tools that eos provides especially with people analyzer and and just sort of the upfront deep dive on core values alignment before you bring somebody in and and that whole higher higher for culture higher slowly philosophy today's episode is sponsored by traction tools the first officially licensed software for eos much more than a meeting agenda It is a powerful tool to help entrepreneurial streamline the six key components of their business and get the most out of EOS right out of the gate. Try it for free for 30 days. Visit www.mytractiontools.com. So so as an an EOS implementer, how have you leveraged VisionSpark? Oh, Alec has been invaluable. So I have probably have, I don't know, maybe a little less than a dozen uh, clients that have used Alec in various ways on the accountability chart. Primarily it's the integrator search that's the big gap, you know. Um, uh, a couple of examples, actually this past week I was at an annual and uh, their visionary, when I first started with them in 2014, uh, didn't have an integrator, he was in both seats. And um, so introduced him to Alec, uh, probably in 16, maybe trying to think Alec Crockett, 17, maybe, but he, it took him a while to realize that gap and, and he wanted to go to Florida more. He's starting to, you know, get to a point where he just wants to shift his uh, amount of time in the business. And so they had a great conversation and, um, I was with them this week and the integrators just running with everything. And, and, uh, and Mark is going to be moving to Florida, um, in June for good. And he'll bounce back, you know, to the company, but his, what he wants, what he's getting exactly what he wants. It's a beautiful thing. So, so seeing though that kind of a, um, an example play out is fantastic. 
Uh, we had another uh, common client that was is looking for an integrator as well. Um, they wanted to do a blind search, which maybe is a different topic. But um, <laughs> and, and when you, Benj, when you mentioned, you know, not taking every single client, um, that's exactly what Alec did. He, he, he really sort of drew a line and said, we, we can't do that. It's not, it's, it's not the way we do things. Here's the best way to do it. And we were able to, um, really, Alec was able to help him see why that was uh, not the healthiest way to do the search. What does that so mean, a blind way. search? A, a blind search is it's kind of a covert search. It's where, let's say you have a, a CFO for your company, and that CFO is just not, they're not working. And, and so, you know, a potential client would come to me saying, hey, we need you to find a CFO, and, but we don't want you to, to announce it. We want you to kind of do your little thing, do it privately, hire that person, and then we'll have that tough conversation with that CFO. Okay, so that seems like a wise thing to do. So tell us how you navigated that, why, and then what it looked like. Yeah, the why behind it is, you know, number one, in today's world, someone's going to find out, right? I mean, just if you think about it, it's, I mean, someone's going to find out. Um, number two, if that person is really underperforming, they're costing your organization something, probably a lot more than you think. And so why not have the tough conversation now and say, hey, you know, you're not working out. Your numbers are not um, where you want them to be. They're not reliable. We need to make, need to make a change. And then, um, then you have that uh, meeting with your team saying, hey, we let so-and-so go. We're, we're going to be doing a search for a CFO. There are uh, fractional individuals that can come in the interim while you hire a full-time CFO. So um, it's having that 36 hours of pain, making that right decision. I mean, that's what EOS teaches us. And, um, you know, Alex and I did a couple articles on this um, as well. Um, so there could be some resources for the audience. Is So that makes a ton of sense. And I think, you know, we talk about entering the danger, right? Just go there, get yeah. in there, get it over with. And I've learned from my, it's never as bad as I imagine, you know, half the time they're <laughs> it's a relief to them because they, they already know. Um, but from your standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, why does that matter so much to you? Uh, yeah. So we want everyone in the organization to have buy-in as to who this person is. So if, if the leadership team, um, the way our process works, uh, they're involved in the process. Um, so we do a kind of a strategy session in the beginning and they're all bought in as to who this key person is going to be. So if it's an integrator, the leadership team is involved with the visionary in defining that position. So you have to have their buy-in. I mean, that's number one. Uh, uh, number two, um, if you, if you do the process, the way we do it is, um, it's a really compelling profile that attracts talent. And so we're going to be very open about who the company is, where they're located, what their core values are, why you want to work for them. And um, so that's all part of the process. So you, so you can't do that if it's a covert search or a blind search. Hmm. That's really good. I want to pause there for a moment because we're kind of going down the path right of your process. And and I know all my clients and I'm, I'm sure Alex yours and, and Ben's yours is, you know, everybody's struggling with talent acquisition, right? Finding really, really good people. And so I'm curious, what is it about Vision Sparks process that has a higher success rate as compared to, you know, other recruiters or what have you? 
Yeah. Um, so our process is very thorough. Um, so number one, you were the process is you, you create a super specific and compelling job posting that attracts the right talent. So if you think about a bullseye, you want to get as many people close to the center of that bullseye, and then you vet them for their uh, GWC. So we have tools we use that are research-based that's going to evaluate them for, for those uh, metrics. And so um, there are four different rounds that someone will go through. So we, we may have 300 candidates when we start, and each round we eliminate more and more candidates until the very end we have two or three candidates that our client chooses from. And then we, we help them with the, uh, the final interview process. Um, and then there, you know, that relationship doesn't end there. We continue with that client. Um, there's touch points along the way to ensure that they're long-term. And our whole goal is, is that it's all about a long-term relationship. So if, if they want to hire us for another search, we're there. Um, you know, so that that's, that's our whole goal. You know that they that they are elated with what we do. One one piece that I've seen Chris and Bench on this is, um, you know, Alec mentioned vetting for GWC and, and for core values, and and I've seen Alec do this or facilitate this in in uh, you know some meetings that we've had, but the helping the uh, client dis, uh, define questions that really get the candidate to elicit whether they share core values or not. So the interview for culture. And so, you know, as an example, um, if a company's got a core value that's like uh, choose to be better, like that's their core value, one of their core values, Alex's team can develop interview questions that really get at whether that person believes that, you know, in, in intrinsically uh, or, or be a team player, something like that. Right. Maybe you can give an example of, of how you would walk walk a client through interview questions like that because that's a powerful part of your process I think yeah so so vision spark you're really great at finding the inner helping fill the integrator role right mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering is there a following this process right and and the four rounds how long does that generally take you know that that varies uh, based on industry geographic location, compensation, the company, that varies. So, you know, on average, we tell our clients 90 days. You know, sometimes wow. it's sometimes it's 70 days, sometimes it's it's a 120 days. So, you know, if a if the client says, "Hey, my compensation for an integrator is 25,000 a year and they have to have an MBA, they have to be bilingual, they have to be willing to live in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for example, right? That's that's going to take a really long time to <laughs> find that yeah. person. Yeah. So those are variables, um, and so um, obviously that's an extreme case, and you know that that doesn't happen. But those things play a part in how long the process takes. Alec, in the beginning of your process, you mentioned creating an attractional job posting. Give us some of the like the criteria, the litmus tests. What does an attractional post look like? What does it contain? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, Ken DeWitt, I love, uh, I love how he phrased what the posting looks like. He calls it a magnetic posting. And so um, the, what you want to do is um, obviously list your core values in your company in that posting because, you know, uh, what EOS and Gino tells us that uh, core values will attract 
people with your core values and repel people that don't. So that's super important. Um, the other thing too, is you want to focus on what are the behaviors, traits, and characteristics in that posting. So for example, if um, you want that integrator to be uh, process oriented, organized, a uh, coach, a mentor, um, a leader, a great communicator, those are things you put in the posting. Um, other things you put in the posting are why. Why should you come work for this company? You know, think about um, companies running on EOS. There is so much compelling reasons for individuals to work for companies running on EOS. I mean, culture and the, and the people they work for are so important to those in the marketplace right now. That's good. Hey, in the, um, I'm always curious about this. Uh, and I don't think there is a singular right answer, but I'm super curious what both of you think about this in that integrator search, which I know when people are introduced to EOS, there's a lot of somewhere in the process, a lot of visionaries that don't have one, have an aha moment, or uh, I've even seen clients come to me because they read rocket fuel and that was their impetus for wanting to get into EOS. Cause they read that and they're like, I, that is me. And I want that. Right. So the, that rocket fuel concept was actually what drew them into EOS to begin with. When you go doing uh, an integrator search, looking for that perfect rocket fuel, are there um, are there things that you're looking for that can be quantified? Do you use some sort of personality assessment? Any of those things that you're like, yeah, there's a couple things that are always consistent. Are you talking about it for the integrator or yeah. for the visionary or both? For that yeah. integrator. Yeah, so we, we do use a personality assessment. Um, and uh, for the integrator, there's there's uh, three things that they really need on that assessment for them to be successful. Um, and uh, we oftentimes these integrators who are applying don't even know that they, they lack that. They, their whole career, they've been in some sort of management role and uh, we know the ones that work out long term have three traits um, that that none of the other ones do would you share those with us sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, so, um, the, the, the the one thing that we really make sure is that they have a strong uh, mental acuity that they, it's not an IQ measurement, but it's a learning speed. And so if you're, you're looking for an integrator to make, uh, decisions, problem solving, critical thinking skills, strategic thinking skills, they, they have to have, um, strong traits. Um, the other two that we look at is they have to, um, want some sort of process. There's, there's a dimension on the assessment we use that measures their process orientation. And so on one side, you have someone who's super structured. And the other side, you have someone who's super flexible and they have to be in the middle to high on that, um, that process orientation. Um, and the third one is, is organization where, um, someone who is, you know, you have someone who's disorganized to someone who's highly organized, highly painful, and they need to be in the middle to high on that. Um, most visionaries ironically are, are the opposite. They're, they're, you know, that's what makes them a great visionary. And so you want that yin and yang. And a lot of candidates will often score low in those areas. And uh, we have those uh, kind conversations letting them know they did not make it in the process. So one of the things that is part of every search, but nobody ever really talks about is we have to create compensation packages 
for these people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if this integrator position is a new position, you know, they're a air quotes, non-revenue generating position or a net new SGNA cost. And so that, that can be a hurdle and, and we don't really have a good sense for, um, you know, how do we compensate them? They sound really expensive. We equate them to a COO. So, uh, I know Alex, you are actually working on a second book with, with Tom Bauer together on incentive packages. Give us a sneak peek into how we, uh, need to reframe our thinking when it comes to incentivizing employees and especially kind of in that leadership in the, in the senior leadership team. Yeah. The, 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 the book is about trying to help, um, engage the entire workforce in driving improved financial performance. And, um, you know, we define the ideal incentive plan to, it should shape behavior. It should shape behavior, uh, from top to top to, you know, throughout the whole organization. And, um, you know, we don't focus in this book on specific, you know, comp for positions necessarily, but this would be like earned comp above and beyond, you know, base. And it's a, the idea is that it creates a shared, a shared vision or a shared pool for the entire organization to rally around. And, um, and so, you know, the couple, the couple things sort of big, I guess, ideas from it. And one is the simplicity of the design uh, is key. And, and folks are all across the continuum on that, but the, the simpler, the better, because you're talking about money. And, and if it's simple, it's easy to explain, then you, you build the trust more easily. It's easy, you know, easy to sort of get across. The most important part, probably the biggest piece missing that we've seen in most organizations is, is companies that are uh, running on EOS have all these tools and these disciplines that are involved. They are um, able to tie those or link those to that, that potential compensation payout. Um, and that's really important, but many companies don't do that. They don't create um, the, and provide the tools and training and education for everybody to really understand how they drive uh, dollars to that bottom line. So there's this gap where they're kind of expecting the plan to manage their people and the plan, the plan just won't do that. So uh, part of what we uh, are passionate plea in the book is to really use those tools. Uh, if you don't have the tools incorporated into the business, incorporate tools uh, of that create a bit more tension in, in the business, a bit more accountability um, that uh, help the folks really get linked up to that, uh, that incentive plan. So from, you know, talking about integrator comp or even leadership team comp, some companies like to design that well, once that pool of money is created and typically it's above and beyond some, some trigger that, so the company you have to protect the company first, but above and beyond that trigger X percent goes into this pool. You have this pool. How do you share that? Well, some companies like to share uh, a portion of that pool with everybody. And then the other portion goes to the leader, the senior leadership team or a set of leaders that you've designated which would include, of course, the integrator or, the, or other leadership team members. So the leadership team members would participate in both pools. And so there's a little bit of a tier there, which ideally would incentivize people to say, how do I, how do I move into a position like that where I'm making a little bit more money, hmm. um, as well as, as pulling everybody into the same, um, the same focus. So I've got a million questions because this is an interesting topic. What um, Do I have to be transparent with all my company's numbers to be able to do that? I love that question. So transparency is if you picture that continuum, right? You, you could share nothing and you could share everything. Like one company I worked with in, in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, the, the, the CEO shared salaries. Now I think that's insane. 
personally, but that's what she did. That's the way the culture was. And, um, and you, you go all the way over to the other side, you gotta figure out where you are on that spectrum. What are you comfortable with? Um, open book management, which was coined by Jack Stack back in the, in the 80s, um, has, has a lot of philosophies to it, a lot of data associated with it. But in the absence of information, people just make stuff up. And so my experience is that if you tell, if people here were a $10 million company, they might think, you know, you've got 10 million bucks somewhere. They don't think about expenses and the P&L and cash flow and all that kind of stuff. So, so they have this, these erroneous kind of assumptions about, they think you're making wheelbarrows full of money and that you're buying boats and planes and all this crazy stuff. And you know, you're paying taxes and you're, you're reinvesting in the business and you're paying down debt and you got all this risk. And you know, so all this, this potential education for people to really understand the risk return equation is powerful. And uh, so you, Benj, like you, I have, a, a, I could talk for hours on this. I love it because um, it's, it's so, uh, I'm passionate about it. But so we'll find out where you are on that spectrum of transparency. And then, you know, you could dip a toe in the water. Some companies share percentages. Um, you know, they start to, to gauge the, um, the audience as they're sharing this information and can start to, um, to, to get more comfortable sharing maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, most companies are okay sharing revenues. Um, and I think as you go down that P&L, uh, gross margin, sometimes people are pretty comfortable sharing. SG&A, you know, a lot of people can't affect that, so they kind of leave that behind. But Yeah. Well, you know, when we develop scorecards, right, we develop a company scorecard, and then we, yeah. from there we develop departmental scorecards. So there is this sort of, uh, you know, finance 101 education that begins with that scorecard because it's getting everybody to understand you know, the activity that produces the outcome and how do we actually calculate that? So there, I, that's what I love about the scorecard in the beginning, the front end of implementing EOS is, you know, you have these, you know, 15 or less numbers. And what I do with my clients is I'll, I'll ask, you know, the, the CFO or controller, the finance seat, you know, to then take the scorecard and create this financial glossary of terms, right? So that we can yeah. get everybody to truly understand the calculation, what it means, and then we push that down. So, so with with that continuum, right? I think the scorecard is sort of the beginning of that, dipping the toe in the water and getting people to understand, and really getting them to understand and connect to the activity, right? So that when you do come out with this incentive, uh, like pool, like you're suggesting, they're going to get it. They're fundamentally going to understand it, and they're going to want to participate in it. All right, so I want to play devil's advocate for a second because I have a friend who runs a, a company that is, they do very well. He runs it very well, uh, but he's got a saying that we're all comp, we're all incentive based comp. Most of us just either get a hundred percent of it or zero percent of it. And what he means by that is you either do your job or you're getting fired. And I was like, oh man, we that's that's true, right? Like we we're all incentive comp. And I think the place where we most people haven't figured out is in sales, right? We've got a guy that's in sales. He's highly, you know, compensated on eat what you kill. And then we go to, let's say our senior leadership team and we create, uh, we give them a salary, which they can live on. Um, some of them can live on that very well. And then we actually compensating compensate them or incentivize them, give them a bonus or profit sharing for actually doing their job. So we've actually already paid them for doing their job. Uh -huh. Like if you do your job, you hit plan or maybe exceed plan. 
but then we compensate them, we give them their bonus when they actually do their job. Why, where are we missing the boat on that? Yeah, I mean, my, my experience with it is, is it depends on the kind of culture you're trying to create. And, and uh, the communication around whatever plan you design is so critical. And I think that's really generally the gap. Most people are, are just putting it out there and expecting people to, to respond to it. And that's typically, if you read Drive or a lot of the Dan Pink work around motivation, um, it's, not, it's not necessarily what, what causes people. There's intrinsic motivation and there's extrinsic. And a lot of the business owners I talk to say, my employees just don't care about, they, they'll never be able to understand you know, profit and loss and all that stuff. So I'm not gonna teach them that. And, um, and so they don't even go down the path. Um, and my experience is if you believe they can't understand it or you believe they can, you're right. You know, it's like Henry Ford. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, to get to your question, Benj, you want to set it up so that uh, base comp is like you, you got your GWC, you got your accountability chart. This is the seat. This is the comp associated with that seat. Do you get it? Do you want it? Do you have the capacity to do it? Oh, above and beyond for growth, you know, grow or die for growth in this organization. Here's what we've got set up on this to try to rally the team. So it's this whole kind of like um, it's intrinsically valued to be part of a winning team. Alec, what kind of trends are you seeing in the industry that you're in that uh, our listeners should know about? Yeah, well, I I think everyone knows how hard it is to find great people. and so we're in the best economy we've, we've been in 50 years in terms of unemployment. Um, compensation is, um, is you know, probably at an all-time high. A lot, of, a lot of great employers are keeping their, their people by uh, up in their compensation. Hey, we don't, want, we don't want Chris to leave. He's great. So we're going to throw him some more money. So, um, so those are some trends. And a lot of the market studies on compensation – Oftentimes those those are off a little bit because of the delay in, in research. So um, you want to attract people to your company and you know at or above market. Um, so that's that's compo- uh, a component of it. And also start the process earlier. Um, if you start the process earlier, you have a little bit of cost and a little bit of risk. But if you start it too late, you're going to make that desperate hiring decision and the the cost of hiring the wrong person is much greater. And, uh, you know, just, it's not ever good to make a panic hire. Uh, mm. visit. Yeah. 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 Man, time is flying by here, guys. And as we, as we come into the end of this, this podcast. So Alex, I want, I want to come back to you uh, as an EOSI. And obviously we've got uh, Tractionville has uh, a very large EOSI um, uh, listener base. What's the message after having, you know, worked with Alec and, and leveraging VisionSpark to help your clients, what's your message to our EOSI community w- regarding VisionSpark services they provide us? I think, uh, Chris, I think about that question. My relationship uh, and our relationship with, with VisionSpark has been one of a connector relationship. And, and it helps me and, and uh, other implementers who, who send uh, you know, leads and referrals to Alec stay laser focused on what we do best. And so, you know, if you look at an accountability chart with the standard, the three across and then integrator visionary, any of those seats where there's a gap on your teams, it makes sense for me to find an expert, you know, resource to really get 
to get them focused on it, best, their highest and best use, their unique ability. Alec and I are both in uh, strategic coach together, and uh, that's been a huge, uh, a huge impact for us to help evolve our thinking on this and how to, how to collaborate in a very effective way. So I guess the message would be, um, you think about other types of connector relationships in addition to those like Vision Spark, where we can provide uh, excellent expert resources for our clients. Yeah, that's good. Alec, your turn. What's the biggest advice you would give Tractionville uh, when it comes to kind of like, you know, finding that unique ability person that we need to get breakthrough in our senior leadership team specifically? Um, before you hire someone, make sure you are super clear as to who that person is. So oftentimes we say, oh, we need a salesperson. Oh, you know, boom, there's Sally, she's available. And you don't take time to be super clear as to what great performance looks like, what what kind of core values you want them to have, what what behaviors you want them to have. And that's so important. So Alec, we've, we've heard about Alex's side of your relationship. Uh, tell us about your side, Vision Spark's relationship with Alex. Uh, yeah, well, Alex is one of the uh, probably the most well-known implementer in Columbus. Um, our, his clients uh, freaking love him. He's he's awesome, great reputation, um, and I I have no trouble referring Alex uh, clients. So uh, yeah, he's awesome. Guys, where can people find more about you, Alex? Where do we go to to learn about you as an implementer? So the best best place is our website, of course, uh, profitworksllc.com, and uh, and got bio there and, and testimonial videos, which are a lot of fun to watch. Actually, um, yeah, that's probably the best place. And LinkedIn, of course. Perfect. We'll put both of those in the show notes. How about you, Alec? Yeah, um, our website visionsparksearch.com and uh, my LinkedIn profile. Guys, thank you, Alec and Alex, for being on today. I have notes. I think there were some very actionable things that people can learn and go do immediately. And as always, when we feel like we're not in our unique ability to find that right person, let's give Alec a call and let him do what he does best. Tractionville, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you rate us, subscribe, and as always, share with a friend. We would love to also hear your ideas. You can share them with us at TractionvillePodcast.com. And we release an episode every Tuesday. So we'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday.